Well, it's so great to be with you guys. Let me introduce a couple of people with me. My wife, Athelina, is back there. If you'd wave. She'd, I have her stand up, but she's five foot, five foot tall, so that wouldn't help much. And then we have Katie and CJ Summers. Uh, Katie is our missions director. We're so glad that they were able to come with us. And we're excited to be here at Asante Church. Let me tell you, we uh, want you to know that we pray for you guys. We are partners with you. We're so excited about what God is doing at Asante Church. You know, what you guys are doing is really historic. I mean, you think about starting something brand new. It is just something amazing, and God is using you guys in such a great way. It has been so great to just hang out with Alex and Jacob and families and just, just to be with them a little bit. It's been really amazing and really great, and you guys are really blessed to have such leadership. And you guys lead in so many great ways. That's just a, such a great blessing, and God's going to honor that. God has great things in store for you guys. And so today, what I just want to do is talk about some habits and a little bit of encouragement to you guys today. And so there's this book out. It's got a very strange and really weird title. It's called The First Really Important Survey of American Habits. And so what I want to do is this is I want you to participate in this, and I'm going to see how much you guys match up with habits in America. All right? So to kind of get us into the message today, we're going to just do this. So please participate. And here's the first question. So when you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, what goes first on the bread? All right, so I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Here we go. This is not a hard question. Don't think, overthink it. Don't overthink it. All right, how many of you would say the peanut butter goes first? Wow, how many people the jelly? Okay. <laughs> no, notice the jelly people, okay? This, this will be important later, okay? This will be important later. Okay, so the numbers are officially... 96% of Americans put peanut butter first. So there's those four, four percenters, okay? And that's what you need to take from that. Here's the second question. When you store your socks, you put them in the drawer, do you roll them up or do you put them flat? All right, how many of you guys roll them up? How many flat? Okay, it's 51% rolled up. It is 49% flat. How many of you just throw them in the drawer? Okay, all right. That's some of the same 4% that we looked at uh, earlier. All right. All right, now we're going to get a little more personal. Get ready, okay? How many of you have ever bit your fingernails? Ever? Ever. Okay? All right. 96% of Americans bite their fingernails. Now we're going to really, this is a deep, deep question, this next one. All right, you ready? How many of you, be real, be honest, I mean, you know, God knows, okay? Uh, how many of you have ever bit your toenails? Be proud, be proud. Okay, all right, well, we got, yeah, all right. <laughs> we wrote you guys' names down, okay? I'm just, just saying, we wrote those down, all right? Uh, 25% of Americans have bit their toenails, okay? Again, be proud, be proud. All right, two more, two more. How many, okay, would you ever wear torn underwear? No, never mind, I'm not going to, you, you would just lie about that one anyway. I'm not going to do that. All right, last one. When do you fill up your car 
with gas. You've got one of those cars, okay? You fill that up with gas. How many would say, you know, it's, uh, it's about three-fourths full, I, I fill my car up with gas? All right, it's half full, I would then fill them. How many, it's three-fourths empty. How many, the little light has come on? How many, when it stops moving? Okay, okay. I'm with you guys. I am with you guys. Okay. You know, habits make all the difference. And those are just a bunch of habits. But habits are, you know, life is just decisions. Life is habits and what we do. And I want to talk to you a little bit about anchor habits. And so what I'm defining anchor habits is this. Uh, It definitely matters spiritually. This definitely matters spiritually. And so here it is. Anchor habits are small daily steps toward God done on a regular basis. You see, every day we have is a day to move forward in prayer, to move forward in community, to move forward in generosity, to move forward in service. It's an opportunity that God gives us to move forward. You know, I talk about this a lot, and this is kind of a big thing at our church is, you know, those next steps. What is the next steps? And what, is, what are your habits? And I'm going to ask you a little bit later to think about what are some of your anchor habits? Because I think... God wants us to all have some of those, some of those just day in, day out. These are key. These are foundational. These are important to be able to go forward. And think about that, and we're going to come back to that a little bit later. And so when you think about that, it is key because one decision can make all the difference. You know, we have all these little daily decisions, but there are probably, you know, I've read some stuff about this. They say between Five, six, or seven key decisions of your life just determine the course of your life. Now, obviously, spiritually, that's very key about our relationship with Jesus Christ, about our commitment to Jesus Christ to follow him. That's a key, key decision, the biggest decision of life. There's five, six, seven key decisions where you decided something, or maybe you didn't give up. Maybe you kept going, and that was a key decision. There's all kinds of levels of that, of those key decisions that God wants us to realize are really, really big in our life. You know, um, there's a time in my life, uh, we were living in Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, most of the time we wore our shoes there, and we didn't always, you know, people would, you know, people always ask me that, but uh, it was church, so we wore shoes, but in Arkansas there, we restarted a church. It was a church that had died. It got down to about 10 people. They asked us, I was at another church, and they asked us to kind of join, help them out. So I started that. And then we started trying to restart that church. Um, you know, the first Sunday, I'll never forget the first Sunday, is burned in my memory. It was, there were four people at that service. It was me, my wife who's back there, the person who led worship, and one other person. And that other person needed to make some kind of spiritual commitment. I mean, they, they had the pressure on them because they were the only one that was possible, okay? That, you know, that we, except we all thought maybe we need to all recommit. And, you know, I remember having a conversation. I actually asked a guy who was my mentor. I said, have I made the worst decision of my life? And he said, no, you have not. I had friends who said to me, you know, no one's ever going to, they're going to always wonder, what happened to you? What happened to you? And, 
you know, I remember thinking, if I was going to rename the church, maybe it should be Little Hope Church. I don't know. It's, it's going to be a struggle here. Is this going to be a struggle? But here's the thing. All I had was God, but that's all you need. That's really all you need. And in that situation, I was reminded about that over and over again. And I had to remind myself about that over and over again. But it was so true. And it is what makes all the difference in the world. And it is that God knew where, where I was. And God knew. God knew. And so I began this thing, and I, it's, I've heard other people talk about it, but I just began in my own life this process of always going, what are the God stories? Where God has just moved, and you've seen God do some things. You go, that was God. That was God. That was God. And it just kind of keeps you on that focus. It keeps you on that path that God has for you in your life personally. It helps a church keep on path. It, it, it just helps all of us to have that kind of focus in our lives. And so I want us to look at this process God wants to work in each one of us. And so the first thing I want us to look at here about that, and I've just got a couple questions for you today. Here's the first one. How do we not give up? How do we not give up? And what I mean by that is how do we not give up toward what God has for you? What God, the steps he has for you. How do you not give up about that? You know, um, so think right now, what are some of your anchor habits? Maybe some of you are just checking things out. You're just kind of checking out God. You're checking out, you know, what is this all about? For some of you, maybe you have just started something you would say, that's an anchor habit. Maybe some of you have one that you just keep going, or you have several that you just keep going. But what are those things that God uses in your life to just encourage you, to help you, to help you move forward toward his plan for you? What are those things, those anchor habits that God has for you? Let me tell you, it will change families, relationships. It changes a church. It just changes our lives. When we have those steps, those ongoing steps toward God that we go just day in and day out, I've got to have this focus. This is my foundation. This is what God wants me to hold on to. And so, but what happens when we get disappointed? It's kind of like buyer's remorse. I have had buyer's remorse with an automobile. I got that automobile. It was not what I thought it was going to be. Recently, uh, at my nephew's wedding, which Alex actually did, officiated at the wedding, we studied in a VRBO. I don't know where they got those pictures, but it was not from the place we stayed, okay? <laughs> it was not. It was not. We left after one day because there was a gas leak. And one of my favorite moments, I, I, this is not a commercial for VRBO, by the way. You're going to, okay. Um, I call them, we're trying to get a refund, and, and I tell them about it, and they go, well, the owner says there wasn't a gas leak. And I went, I'm a pastor. There was a gas leak. And they didn't care. They didn't care. And she said to me words that I always remember. Would you send me a picture of the gas leak? <laughs> I had buyer's remorse at that point. I'm like, ma'am, I'll light it for you, and we don't make the news, okay? I won't, I won't have to send you a picture. It will make the news if I do that. I've had buyer's remorse on those kinds of things. You know, uh, when I think about different things that we get involved in and that sort of thing, it, ha it can happen in relationships. 
You know, it happens in all kinds. It happens in a friendship. It can happen in a marriage. You know, where it's like, well, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be like. Now, of course, I've never had that in my marriage. Very quickly, let me say to you, that's never happened to me. My, my wife and I, we have this Hallmark Christmas kind of relationship. I know, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, it's, uh, we drink hot cocoa together a lot. If we kiss, it snows. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. So it's, I don't have that vibe. But we can have buyer's remorse in life. And we can have it with God. God, I prayed, and that didn't happen. God, I trusted you, and that ha- didn't happen. God, I read my Bible, and I'm still waiting for this to happen. And we can get disappointed. So how do we keep going forward? How do we deal with that? How do we face that kind of situation? You see, God is faithful, but his timing is not our timing. He moves in different ways, and it always comes back, do we trust him? Do we depend on him no matter what? And is he good or is he not good? And we have to answer that question. So here's the verse to remember. This is a great verse. It is Galatians 6 9. Here's what it says. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, I want to go back through that verse and notice what it says. Don't get tired of what? Of doing what is good. And then it says, basically saying, don't get tired of doing things you know you need to do that God wants you to do. At just the right time, what's going to happen? You're going to reap a harvest of blessing. Now, i got to tell you, I like that. I want that. That is awesome, and that is great, because we can get discouraged. I can get discouraged. You know, uh, when I think about that, I need to hold on to this verse, this truth of God's Word, and to keep going. And maybe right now in this room, that's what you need to hear today. And maybe that's why you're here today. You need to hear, you just got to keep going. And God is there. God is present. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He loves you. You cannot do anything to make him love you more. He will not love you less. He loves you. And to trust that truth, to live on that truth, and to hold on to that truth. And we need to help each other in that process. You know, that's what's so great about community is that we have other people that help us in that, to be reminded of that and to hold on to that and be able to go forward in that. You know, the bottom line is this. God's power and his strength meets us in the journey. That It's in the journey. I mean, it's as we're going forward, you know, and we keep going and God says, let me tell you what, keep taking steps toward me while you wait. And... God is busy working while we are waiting. I don't always see it. I kind of want God, hey, I need God. Oh, God, please show me. I'm, I'm kind of need, I need a little something here. I need to know that you're working while I'm waiting because it seems like I'm waiting. God is never on my timetable. He never seems to be on that kind of path. But here's what I want to remind you about. God is seldom early, but he is never, ever late. He's never, ever late. You know, God just seems to have his own timetable. It's kind of like he's God or something. I mean, it's really pretty crazy about that. You know, and then we need to see that God's at work. That helps us to be able to go forward. I think about Linda. Linda, 
you know, she has that smile at our church, and I see her, and you go, well, that's, why is that anything about God? Well, rewind a month earlier, Linda tried to take her own life, and it just happened that someone came in at exactly the right time, and thankfully, she was not able to complete what she was trying to do. Today, you see Linda smiling, and God's done amazing stuff. Last week, about two weeks ago, actually, we had someone walk into church, and I heard the story, and I went, wow, that's unbelievable. Well, what happened was his, he had a family member who was actually murdered. He was, they had had the trial, the person was convicted, and he was about to give his victim impact statement. He says, God, I need to know you're real. I just need to know you're real. And he had kind of gone to church a little bit when he was young. He had some things that were very special to him from just being at church a little bit when he was uh, young. And he says to his wife, you know, I just, I need to know how to forgive this person. He goes, I, he kind of knew, I need to forgive this person, but I don't think I can. And I really don't want to, but I know I need to. I, I need to figure that out. I, I want God to show me how to do that. And then he said, and this was kind of a strange thing to say, but as he told me the story, he said, I, because when I was young, we had, would have communion. And I, I don't remember a lot about church, he said, but I remember when we had communion, it was awesome. I just felt close to God. So that was just a special moment. And so his wife said, what do you want to do? He goes, well, let's try to go to some random church. He goes, okay. And which one do we go to? I don't know. She goes, well, we got invited to this church called Crestview. I think we're going to try to go. Uh, let's try to go there. I don't know anything about it, but I don't think they sacrifice chickens there or anything, so it's safe. And so we're going to try to go. And so we, they show up on a Sunday. Guess what the sermon was? Out of Romans chapter 12. Love your enemies was the name, the title of the, the message that day. And guess what we had? Communion. He walked out of there and he said, God, you are at work. And I have seen from your word how I could ever love my enemy, who someone I hate. And God is at work. And we just have to sometimes see it and get past the buyer's remorse, the discouragement, or whatever it is, to be able to see very clearly he is at work, and that changes everything for us. God is never, ever late. I just wish he was more early, but he's not. He is always, though, at work. Here's a second question, and it is, how do we keep moving toward God? How do we keep moving toward God? Um, here's what I want to say to you is this. It's God invites you, and he gives you a great invitation into a love relationship with him. And so part of how we keep moving to, with, toward God is that we realize that he's invited us into this, this love relationship. Here's what it says in Mark 12, 30. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So here's my question for you today. Is that you? Is that you? I had a conversation with someone who's a friend of mine who's at our church. And he said to me, John, I'm having struggles. 
I have struggles at work. I have struggles in my family. I have struggles in my relationship. I can't sleep at night. It just seems like everything's going wrong. I just have this kind of anger I deal with all the time. What do I need to do? I, we talked for a while, and I finally asked him this question that I just asked you. So do you love God with all your heart? There's this long pause, and he goes, John, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be honest. If you said, do I serve God? Yes. Do I respect God? Yes. But I don't love him with all my heart. I said, I said to him, well, there's a lot of practical steps we can talk about, and we've already talked about, but I think you've got to start right there. You've got to start right there. Do you love God with all your heart? And so that's my question for you today. Do you love God with all your heart? Because that's what's going to change everything. God invites you into this love relationship with him. Second thing is how do we keep moving toward God is before God does something through you, he'll do something in you. Every single day that God gives you is the day that matters. We kind of think, oh, that's the big day down here, or this will be a big... No, it's every day that God gives you is the day that matters. We just need to have our perspective change just a little bit. I did an interview one time on a video, and I was interviewing somebody who was in a wheelchair. And we were talking in that situation. I said, well, how are you dealing with that? How's it going? That sort of thing. And they said to me, you know, I don't want to be here, but it also allows me to keep doing some things. So I look at that as a great tool for me just to be able to keep going forward. And I, I pray that God keeps working and God changes and God moves in some great ways, but it's a whole different perspective that I got that day. You know, God wants to change our perspective. If we approach every day like, God, what do you got for me today? And what do you want to change in me today? What do you want to do in my life today? Here's what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. God, give me the power to do the things my faith prompts me to do. How's God prompting you? No, what am I talking about? I'm talking about where God goes, you need to call them. You need to pray for them. You need to go talk to them. You need to go check on them. You need to just go encourage them. It's those times that God does that. You know, I get in my mode and I get in my, I'm kind of like a, planner, get things done type person, and it's real easy for me to just kind of blow by those kind of things. But God is going, I, I want you to know, I want to do something in you. And when I'm doing that something in you, it's going to affect other people because I'm going to point you to other people. And it's going to be an amazing, it's going to be a powerful sort of thing. And God wants to do that in each one of us. Here's a third thing. God invites you to join him in his work. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Great verse, just about how God brings life change, how he changes everything in us. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God, 
who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. You know, God basically says, in all that you are doing, you represent me. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you represent him. And he gives you this great opportunity to be his representative. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a guy that the people of Israel have had a lot of problems. They were called the Midianites. There's 100,000 of them about to invade the country. And God says, I'm going to raise up a leader. Goes to this guy named Gideon. Very unlikely leader. He was not any kind of superhero, no, no very big, strong leader. He was kind of a coward in a lot of ways. And this angel comes to Gideon and goes, he says to him, God has something for you. He basically brings this message to God, to Gideon. And basically he says to him, Gideon, mighty warrior. Now, I believe that was so sarcastic. I don't know if you think angels can be sarcastic, but I think angels can be sarcastic. And he goes, this angel's delivering this message from God and goes, hey, mighty warrior, God's got this thing for you. And he's meanwhile hiding out. And he has to decide. But here's the thing about this. Here's the big takeaway for me out of that is, you know, it's so inefficient that God uses human beings. I mean, I'm sure the angels are going, God, just let us take care of it. How many angels does it take to take care of an invading army? Not many. But God goes, no, I'm going to use Gideon, pretty unlikely person. And God is going to use you, and God is going to use me. And God goes to the angels, you don't get it. This is my plan. This is my purpose. This is what I want to accomplish. This is how it's going to work. And God invites you to join him in his work. You see, you can't. Go with what Satan will tell you, and he will tell you the same thing all the time. You are not good enough. You don't know enough. You're not ready yet. You don't even try to go there. You are not worthy of that. But what you need to realize is God invites you despite all that. He invites you despite all that. Now, here's what I want us to realize through this, and here's the bottom line, the greatest thing God is doing right now might be in the hardest place. For some of you today, you're in a very hard, difficult place. And God wants us to know even in those places, he's at work. That we can depend upon him, we can turn to him, even in those most darkest times. And so I want to wrap up with just two final questions, and here they are. The first one is this. Come back to one I already asked you. Do you love God with all your heart? Do you love God with all your heart? And I ask you just simply to be real with God right now in this moment. You know, there's times that I would answer that question and go, no, I'm kind of just faking it right now, God. I don't know if I love you with all my heart. Sometimes it would be just, I'm pretending. I'm just coasting. But God says, love me with all your heart, and that will change everything. And so the second question is this. What does God see in your life? You know, it's easy to ignore some things in our life. Sometimes we need others to help us see clearly. 
But we need to be real with God and with each other. God, what do you see in me? In fact, it's a great life-changing prayer to pray. It comes from the Psalms. It's a scary prayer to pray, but I encourage you to pray this prayer. And this is Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Something amazing happens when we get real with God. His power flows in our life. We are changed and God is at work. And the psalmist here asks God to help him do this because we are, we are all so blind. We can fool ourselves about our worst enemy is us. And we can fool ourselves about pretty much anything in our life. We are very blind about that in our life in so many different ways. So it's, like, it's not kind of like this. It's kind of like thinking about the sin you struggle with the most. What is the sin you struggle with the most? Mine, I know mine very clearly. It is, I help around the house too much. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm confessing before you all. No, 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 that's not it. The real answer is, I'm selfish. I am all about me. That's my real answer. And you see, we need to just come to God and say, God, will you just search me? Let me see me clearly so I can go forward with you. And all of you have this amazing for me. But God, I've got to come before you and I've got to be real. I've got to be authentic before you. So God wants to do so much. God wants you to love him with all your heart. And if you do, that will change everything. Let's pray together this morning. Let's pray.